This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for having me here again. Uh, It's really good to be back here. uh, And I'm really thankful that we get to walk through the Gospel of Mark together. Have you guys been here every Monday? Has it been good for you guys? Has it been good? Cool. Well, uh, as we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark, and I think last Monday, uh, Pastor Matthew was here, and even last night, I think you guys had uh, a praise chapel, and I hope that was enriching for you. Um, As we've been going through the Gospel of Mark and throughout Scriptures, Jesus has had this beautiful way of showing us who he is. As he's teaching, as he's, as he's healing people, as he's going around with crowds, as he's finding himself in unexpected places with unexpected people, he's been reaching out and bringing life and truth and hope. He's been extending grace. Jesus has been showing who he is as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the Son of God. And not only that, but he's been showing us who God is. And the people of that day, and even as Mark is recording uh, this in Scripture, he's showing who God is. That God is, in fact, God who loves us and wants to relate with us. That if you want to know who God is and how God thinks of you, you need to look to Jesus for that. So Mark has been showing us who Jesus is, who God is, and also revealing who we are as people that we're not some sort of God's managed creation where God is in the clouds pointing his finger down at us in some Simpsons voice telling us everything we're doing wrong or pointing lightning bolts down and eager to teach us a lesson that God is actually not like that but a God who wants to relate with us. And Jesus is here standing in the gap between us and God bringing everything together. A couple of months ago, we had someone who took Alpha at our church, and she didn't know much about faith or God or the Bible or Jesus, and so she uh, uh, was to take walking through Alpha, and when I got a chance to chat with her, she's like, well, I was reading some of the Old Testament, and I'm just not getting this. Like, why is there war? Why is there someone with seven wives? Why, why is there all this turmoil and things that doesn't seem right in the Old Testament? I said, well, we, we, as we're walking through Alpha, we're going to look at the New Testament and the new creation and how Jesus is bringing the new covenant and how Jesus is making things right. He's fulfilling the law and also making things new again. And we're seeing this throughout Mark. We're seeing who Jesus is. We're seeing who God is. And we're seeing how God thinks of us and who we are and how powerful and how life-changing that is. As we're walking through this, And as you walk through life, because life is not all fancy-dancy, but life is real, but we often wrestle with two questions. We wrestle with this one, is Jesus actually enough? Is Jesus who he says he is? Is he actually the Messiah? Does he have the power to do what we think Jesus can do? And does he actually even care? Does he care about me? Does he have enough love? Does he have enough grace for my situation? Does he have enough power? Can he actually heal completely? 
And if Jesus is good enough, if he is enough, then is it actually worth it to follow him? And if he's not, then what's the point? And the second question is, are we enough? Am I enough? I don't know if you've ever asked that question or if you actually wrestled with that question, maybe in a dark time, you're like, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I don't know enough to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't understand the Bible enough to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not doing the right things enough. I'm not going to church enough. I'm not around the right people to have a relationship with Jesus. I haven't done enough or I haven't not done something enough to have a relationship with God. Essentially, do we deserve what Jesus has to offer us? And I think those are real questions. I've asked those questions, and I'm sure you have as well. But you know, we're all on this journey. We're all on this journey of discovery. And I believe, as one of my favorite author puts it, we're all rough drafts of what we are becoming. And I think we get to discover who Jesus is together. And that's through our experiences, our good experiences and our bad experiences. And that's through looking at Scripture and looking at the Gospel of Mark to actually see who Jesus is. And I think we're going to shed some light on that as we have been in the past number of weeks. So we're going to look at Mark 8 together uh, this morning. And there's a slide on it, so get your reading glasses on. We're going to read a lot here. Uh, actually, we're not going to read all that. But we're going to look at three sections of Mark 8. And these three sections include three pivotal questions that Jesus asks that I believe can help us as we discover, is Jesus enough and am I enough? So let's look at the first one. Jesus feeds 4,000 people. In Mark 8, verse 1, it says this, and I'll paraphrase a little bit of it, but you can kind of see it on the screen as well. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and people ran out of food. They gathered in a field, and Jesus said to them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here for a while, for three days, and have nothing to eat. If I send them home, they're going to faint. So Jesus has been teaching in this field, and 4,000 people have gathered, and then they're getting really hungry, and Jesus is saying, well, you know what? We actually need to feed these people. He had compassion. He knew what they needed. They didn't need more, need more teaching. They didn't need more uh, this or that. They actually just needed basic food, and Jesus had compassion on them in that moment. So he turns to the disciples. He says, well, we need to feed them. The disciples are like, I don't know where we're going to get the food. We're in the middle of a field. We're in the wilderness. How are we going to just dream up a bunch of food for them. And then Jesus asked this question that, I believe he asked it in this calm, confident way. He asked the disciples, how much bread do you have? How much bread do you have? As if it really mattered if some bread like this could feed 4,000 people. Like, you think it would have been obvious, Jesus, even if we had close to the amount of bread, you would have seen us hauling it through on some trolley uh, through the field. You would know, like, are we, like, two loaves short? Like, I don't know. You think there would be some obvious questions, but Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? And then the disciples, they didn't respond by saying, well, not enough. What's even the point? Let's give up. Not even close to amount of Jesus but he, they responded with actual amount of bread. And they said seven loaves of bread. 
as if it mattered <laughs> when you have 4,000 people in a crowd. Seven loaves of bread. And what Jesus done in that moment is he broke the bread. This bread's not really breakable. It's pretty fresh. Um, but he broke the bread, and he actually began to, to, to give it out. And people were satisfied, and people were eating, and they even had leftovers. They had seven baskets of leftover bread out of seven loaves that fed 4,000 people. How much bread do you have? We wonder, what can we have to offer Jesus? I don't have enough to offer Jesus. I'm not good enough to offer anything that's meaningful. And Jesus is saying, I don't even care how much bread do you have. Just give me your life and you'll find it. You'll find purpose and you'll find meaning. And the funny thing is this is not the first time they did Jesus fed 4,000 or thousands of people. Even a little bit before that, Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Now, I'm a Newfoundlander. I know what you can and can't do with fish, right? You, you can't just multiply fish. We, we get caught for that in Newfoundland and get in trouble. Like, you can't do that. But Jesus actually fed the people, and the disciples, even days afterwards, forgot about that, as if 4,000 people was still the equal challenge. See, sometimes we forget what God has done for us in the past. That wonder, can he do that for me now? Whether that's something meaningful in your life, whether that's healing, whether that's Jesus stepping into your brokenness and bringing light and life. We forget that what Jesus did in the past, could he, could he do it for us now? And Jesus is just asking, how much bread do you have? Because it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter that what we have to offer God, what matters is that he has set a place at the table for us, a special place at the table for us to sit and to have relationship with him, to dine with him. That's what matters. It's not about how much you bring to the table, it's that there's a seat for you. So the disciples are seeing this in awe. The next part of Mark 8, just a, a few, few verses down, a blind man enters the picture. And in verse 23 of, of Mark 8, he said, When they arrived to Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged them to touch the man and to heal them. And so Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out to the village. This wasn't a spectacle for the crowd. This was a one-on-one. -on -one. This was just Jesus and the blind man. Maybe the disciples were watching from near off. Who knows? But Jesus actually took the blind man we don't know how long he's been blind. We don't know where his faith is at. But he took this blind man and he spit on his hands. <laughs> and he put them on his eyes. How disgusting that is. And then he lifted his hands off the, the blind man's eyes. And then he said this question. Can you see anything now? Can you see anything now? You see, this isn't just about physical sight. This is about spiritual sight. Because a lot of times we see things from a human perspective. We see things from our perspective. When sometimes we need to see things from, from God's perspective. And we need to ask, Lord, heal my spiritual blindness. 
Help me see what you see. Help me see the person who's annoying me like you see them. Help me love them. Help me see where I'm at in life the way you see where I'm at in life. Help me walk through the next season like, like you would walk through the next season. Help me ignite my path, O oh Lord, that I might see what you see. So as Jesus spit his spitty hands are on this blind man's eyes, and he removes them. He says, can you see anything now? The blind man actually is quite honest. He says, yes, but kind of really blurry. Everything's really blurry. Now, was it this blind man's fault that he didn't have enough faith to be healed the first time? Or, or maybe Jesus is like, oh, darn. I really thought this one was going to be good. Oh, man. Okay, you know what? Half healing, just be happy with that, and let's get on with this. Maybe Jesus was, was he disappointed? Oh, man, like, I really thought I had that one. Like, I thought he was going to see fully. Now people are somewhat disappointed. Actually, no, Jesus, after that, he said, no, it's still blurry. Jesus put his hands back on his eyes, and his eyesight was completely restored. Now, can you imagine if you had this ailment that was hindering you for life, and Jesus was about to heal you? You'd feel nervous, I think. You'd feel excited but anxious and unsure at the same time. But Jesus is saying that, you know what, somewhat better is not enough. He wants to completely restore with full purpose. He wants to restore us with full purpose. Not just satisfied with the status quo, but to restore us, to heal us, to, to relate with us in full purpose. And that is why he came selflessly to give up his life for us. This wasn't about doing things halfway. Can you see anything now? Jesus is showing his compassion over this blind man. He's showing his compassion and his love over the 4,000. And he shows his compassion and his love over us no matter what we have to offer. The 4,000 people did not earn the food that they were given that day. And this blind man did not earn his way to healing. But in fact, it was Jesus that just offered a seat at the table. He offered relationship. He offered this out. And it didn't matter. And it doesn't matter for you. It doesn't matter what you can offer God. Because it's not about merit. Our love is not conditional this is about relationship and Jesus making the first step, even if we're without, even if we have nothing, even if we're crushed, even if we're discouraged, even if we need our prayer is, oh Lord, help my unbelief. So in Mark 8, the last portion, at the end he says, uh, in verse 27, Jesus and the disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea and Philippi, where people were walking along, and he asked the disciples, who do people say I am? And the disciples said, well, you know, people say you're Moses, you're some prophet, you're this, you're that, you're Elijah, you're, who do people say I am? And then he asked this question. He says, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am. You know, you've seen me do this work. You've seen me feed 4,000 people. You've seen me heal blind man. You've seen all the things that I've done, but who do you say I am? Not who everyone else says I am, but who do you say I am? 
And I think we're each asked that question individually. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he enough? And are you enough? Jesus has answered that question. Now it's time for you to own that question. You've got to own that question. We each do. Who do you say I am? Because, you know, sometimes it's easier to answer in the third person than it is in the first. Yeah, you know what? This is who my family, you know, they're Christians, and so I just kind of go along with that. Or, you know what? My university, yeah, you know what? They believe in Jesus, and so, you know, sure, cool. Or, you know, my friends and family, like, this, this is who they say Jesus is, so I'm just going to go along with that. But actually it's saying, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? It's some one thing to know it in your mind. It's another thing to experience it in your heart. Because the 4,000 people in the crowd didn't just know that Jesus could feed them, but they actually experienced the bread. They took a bite out of it. And this blind man didn't, maybe he did know, maybe he didn't know that Jesus could heal, but he actually felt the spitty hands on his eyes and seeing completely who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say from your experience who Jesus is? And maybe you haven't experienced the love of Jesus. Maybe you haven't experienced healing. Maybe you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit in your life. What does it look like for you to do that? What does it look like to open ourselves up for God to do that? About 10 years ago, I, uh, my dad passed away suddenly, tragically. And uh, I was about 20 how am I, 21, I think? I'm 31 now. Uh, about 10 years ago, and I remember walking through that. I mean, if, you, if you've had a loved one pass away or a family member pass away, it's a really sucky club to be part of. Um, but I remember walking through that as crushed and as broken as I was. And during the days leading up to, um, to the funeral, uh, we were getting ready to view my dad um, in a casket, which is really surreal. And I remember just losing it and crumbling to the ground, just in agony and grief, even the moments before I walked into that church to see my dad for the first time. I was just broken. I had nothing to offer. I don't know if you've ever felt that feeling of just crumbling. It's a terrifying feeling. I hope you never experience it. And I walked into the church with my eyes to the ground because I didn't know what I was going to expect. I was terrified. And I walked in and I, I, I looked slowly, kind of preparing myself to just lose it again uncontrollably. And I looked up and as I looked up more and I could see the, the wheels and as I looked up and as I saw my dad for the first time, I did something that I never ever dreamed about. I never prepared for it. I never imagined it. I actually smiled. Actually smiled. My dad looked good. He was at peace. He was a follower of Jesus. Wow, am I a terrible son? Am I, am I numb? Am I losing it? Am I in some alternate reality? No, actually, what had happened in that very moment was this peace that passes all understanding was almost so tangible for me because I did something that I would never expect as I felt peace in the midst of this tragedy. 
Now, no doubt the moments before and after that were tumultuous and crumbling, but I felt peace in that moment, and I know that that was gift, a gift from God. That was God saying, how much bread do you have? And, okay, not much? Cool. This is going to work. I'm going to give you peace that passes all understanding. You want to have a moment where you can see things the way God sees them? Awesome. I'm going to give you peace that passes all understanding in that very moment. I know you don't have anything to offer me in that moment, but I want to gift you with peace. That is how our God relates to us. I did nothing to earn that. I did nothing to earn it. I didn't even pray for it because I didn't know what to pray for, but God knew what I needed. And in that moment, he saw me as a child of God and met me where I'm at. Maybe he's met you where, he's, where you're at. Don't forget it. Remember it and hold on to it because that is the God who loves us. That is the God who cares for us. And that is the God where it's not about what we bring to the table, but it's about the place that we're set for us. How beautiful is that? That is who Jesus is. That who I could say is who Jesus is from my experience and the experiences before that and the experiences after that. How much bread do you have? Because Jesus is about to do something really cool. Can you see completely now? Because Jesus sees you completely. And who do you say Jesus is? Well, he's certainly enough. And Jesus is saying that you're certainly enough as well. Maybe we can stand together so we can pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the place at the table. Thank you that you know our needs, you know uh, where uh, we are, and you know you have compassion and love for us. Thank you, God, for the peace that you've given me in that moment. I so know that that's you, O oh Lord, and I will never forget it. Thank you for the stories that are here in this room. Thank you for how you've ministered to their lives, God, and I pray that, that we would rejoice and celebrate and that we would, we would believe for more of you. That as we look throughout Scripture, God, we see that you love us, you care for us, you don't hang, leave us hang out to dry, but you, you never abandon us, but you're always with us. You are a faithful God, and thank you for showing that to us. I pray, O oh Lord, that that goes beyond our heads and into our hearts, because that's where we can live. That's where we can experience you, God. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us, and you would equip us, and that you would walk with us, O oh Lord. We pray for each person here. And we rejoice in your love for us. Thank you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.